Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hey. Corey. Hello, Internet. And Seth. Hello. Uh, so let's start off this week, as always, with good thing. Tori, what's your good thing? Um, so my good thing would be The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. Oh, nice. Yes, which I have I have an elliptical in front of my TV, and I only play that game while I'm on the elliptical. And so I tell everyone, I've got this new per- personal trainer, Geralt of Rivia. He's a real hard ass. That is a good idea. That's really, pretty solid. Yeah. It also, uh, bonus, it keeps me from playing the game all day and not doing anything else with my life because I am too fat to stay on the elliptical for more than the appointed amount of time. Neat. I've heard good things about the like card mini game in that. Oh my gosh, Gwent. I spend so much time playing Gwent. Like I never get through the rest of the game because I'm just every every time I stop somewhere and and the NPCs are like, Well, would you like to continue the quest or I have this option to play Gwent? Yes, please. <laughs> I mean, I've also heard good things about the game in general. I've only played through part of Witcher 1 and 2. And I've heard, like, Witcher 3 is basically the best of the whole bunch. Uh, I have only played Witcher 3 and I very much enjoyed it. And it's one of the... You know, I don't always have time to jump in and play some multiplayer stuff online. So it's nice to have a game that I can just play and pause and then go change a diaper. And, you know, it's 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 a very... I mean, it's a beautiful game. It's a one of the better open world games. I mean, Skyrim will always be my my beloved, but um, yeah, man, that was, that's an excellent game and you should give it a shot. I have never played any witchers. <clears throat> Sounds like you need to correct that. Yeah, man. Seriously. All right. Well, if one of you wants to buy it for me on steam, then yeah. Awesome. Future um, birthday gift right I'll, there. I'll put it on my list eventually. <laughs> uh, all right, Craig, what's yours? So speaking of open world games, no, not really. I, so I've been watching streams of Kingdom Come Deliverance, but I have not played it, so I can't recommend it yet. But it looks good. It's open world, but it does actual like medieval history rather than Skyrim, which is fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. It looks pretty good, so it's definitely on my to-get list. But that's not my recommendation. My video game recommendation of the week is probably Stellaris, because I was playing that recently. Did I mention that one already? I'm not sure if I said it yet. No, I, I think don't think only, I did. I think the only other video game you've done so far was uh, was Euro Truck Simulator um, Two. Only, dude, I do a video game every week. Um, Stellaris just had a big patch. Um, it's pretty fun if you like a space 4x game made by the same people that did uh, you know, your European Universalist, whatever it's called, Crusader Kings. It's those people. They're tackling 4x in space. And it's pretty good. All right, Seth. Oh man, I'm I'm really torn. I kind of wanted to go with tacos, but um, I have to go with uh, what I was talking about before we started. Uh, I just got a hold of a really really nice bottle of rum, uh, El Dorado Twelve Year, and I'm enjoying that as we're talking right now. So, um, depending on how long this goes, I could become uh, less and less coherent. So this could well, it'll be entertaining for me at least. 
Let's see if any of us notice. Well played, sir. But um, well played. Touche. Uh, all right, so mine, <laughs> mine this week, Seth, you'll recognize this, uh, is a an animated TV show from 2002 uh, called Go Clone on. High. Okay, seriously though, Michael J. Fox plays a kidney. That's where I'm trying to go with this. Okay. <laughs> like he has one line, <laughs> and it's amazing. Uh, so I'm going to recite the lyrics to the theme song now. I from will be the, grinning from the dome. I do not that. have this prepped. Way way back in the 1980s, secret government employees dug up famous guys and ladies to make amusing genetic copies. Now the clones are sexy teens. Now they're gonna make it if they try. Laughing, learning, sharing, judging. We're gonna laugh and shiver, and cry. Clone high, clone high. And uh, I would also like to add to Mike's thing real quick. Uh, this is also from the Dome. And keeping in mind, I haven't watched this show in probably the better part of fifteen years. But um, foa supper, I uh, wanna have a party platter. You added a have. Did I? You did. It has been 15 <laughs> years. Mike, I mean, come on. Like, uh, the only lyrics I can recite yeah. is, like, Captain Planet, maybe oh, DuckTales. Yeah. As we all know, he's a hero. Yeah. Anyway, Clone High. Um, yeah. Can I so, change mine to Mike's? No. No. Uh, there's Abraham Lincoln, Gandhi, Joan of Arc, and uh, JFK are, oh, yeah. are our main characters. Every episode Gone. is a special episode. <laughs> It only ran for one season, and the creators of Clone High went on to do some some things that I'm guessing a few people will recognize. Uh, they did Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, they did 21 Jump Street, and then 22 Jump Street, the movies, the newer oh, movies, okay. not the original show that's like well be before their time, uh, and also the various Lego movies. Oh, oh really? That's the I same didn't people. Know that. huh. Yeah. I didn't really care for Twenty One Jump Street. I don't. I don't see what the big deal is. But maybe if I had watched the TV show, it would be a little more of a big deal. Never watch the TV show. Just get super drunk. I was just a little skeeved out by all the questionable romancing that was happening between the ages. It was very questionable. Yeah, <laughs> I doesn't I'm sit sure well. That was at least half the joke. <clears throat> yeah, I don't find that funny though. Yeah, whatever. I'll. I would like to lick pudding off of Channing Tatum. No. Okay. Well. Oh my well, God! I'm so happy that was recorded. Oh my God! <laughs> I've never been happier about anything in my entire life. <laughs> hey, I'm. I am not ashamed of it. Channing Tatum is a sexy dude. Well, I'm personally more of a Ryan Reynolds man, but I mean, you do you, man. I mean, I, I, if if there's Ryan Reynolds and also pudding, then I guess I'm not going to go out of my way to avoid. <laughs> pudding. Uh, I mean, does it does it matter what type of pudding? I mean, do we have to go get chocolate? Or are you a tapioca kind of guy? How tapioca we do this? for preference, but I mean, you know, okay. whatever. I'm not super like ready. a like a textural thing. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's move on. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this conversation. I don't know if I want to move on. Apparently, we're not going to talk about Cosmere. We're just going to talk about this. Oh, and yeah. No, no. seriously. Screw that, that book. Any kind of pudding is good. Ryan Reynolds, I would have to put my foot down for the chocolate pudding, though. Yeah. I could go with flan, if I'm being honest. In another Discord channel, I think yesterday, <laughs> I volunteered to be the uh, the center of a Jason Momoa The Rock sandwich. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the creamy center. No, if you will. I don't know the. I know the Rock, but 
Jason Momoa, uh, Aquaman. He was Call Drago. Conan in the in the newer Conan movie that wasn't that good. Oh, he uh, was I'm looking him up now. I, I, um, Stargate. Uh, he, he looks a little uh, Stargate Atlantis. Yeah. He's a bit too rugged. IMO. No, he's pretty. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah, Corey, I, Craig, Corey I think you're the, the odd man out on this one. He's, that's uh, fine. He's I don't solid, it's, both, it's, uh, both figuratively and literally. That's that's fine. Yeah, different tastes. Corey, we need you to be the only female on this podcast. <laughs> we really need the feminine perspective, a lady's point of view, if you will. Uh, it, I think we got it covered. Hey, you, hey, you are this is right about Jason Momoa and Jet, or, and Craig is wrong. Dude, Jet's wrong? Jet Craig. Jet what? Craig, gotcha. What? I'm just, I just pulled up this picture, that's it, and I'm like, eh. I, I, I well, was more calling attention to the fact that this is what we're talking about. <laughs> and that <laughs> happens. Hey, 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 we don't judge in the uh, the Cosmere Deep Dive co- podcast. Clearly. It's, uh... <laughs> but, oh, but seriously, he was in uh, Stargate Atlantis. It was excellent. Yeah. Well, of of the Stargates, I prefer Universe, but I think we've talked about that before. I, not while I've been on here. Um, I'm definitely going to go with SG One because I'm a purist. And can, can we can we steer back? <laughs> I don't have that much time. So <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, okay, so yeah, let's Seth, let's talk about the thing. Give us give us our three chapter breakdown. Okay, um, do it. This chapter brought to you by Audiobooks.com. No, um, no. This chapter, <laughs> at least be. he didn't say something else it could be audiobooks.com hit me up actually I, audiobooks.com is an actual company i was it's like straight up uh i i read this a couple of weeks ago and forgot everything and so today at work i was re-listening to it on uh on my free trial on audiobooks.com oh god they <laughs> hey i want paying you seth okay? shut up no, I'm whoring myself out. This is a freebie. They can have this later for money. Way to go. That's also in recording. So then they're like, we don't have to pay those suckers. <laughs> well, luckily, this can always be edited out in the final podcast. I can't believe okay, it. That's uh, so, so much work. I don't want to do that. I told you we. Okay, we need. Okay, for Craig, I'm going to let that go. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, this one's for you, buddy. Okay. Um, We get off on tangents. It happens. I know. I just and you know. Plus, you know, rum. So I'm I'm trying here. So Uh, tell us about the chapter. Okay. Why? Thank you, Tori. I'll be happy to. Uh, Chapter ten, of course. uh, As always, starting out with Rayadin, and uh, we get to see some of his more, I guess. Miller, militaristic uh, mind as far as, or I guess, I don't know, I guess it's more like chess, I guess, where he is starting to to kind of build up his little gang that's not a gang um, and scouting out the other competition. He is, uh, I mean, I, I was actually very impressed with what he was doing with utilizing, ga- uh, I would, Man, I listened to it all day, and I'm screwed up again. Galadin? Galadin? Tori? Galadin. There we go. Like Paladin uh, with the G. Oh, that's good. Okay. Paladin. Or, I think Tori said Paladin. that before. <laughs> Paladin? But, Paladin? Uh, well, it's turning into that. There we go. Uh, Galadin um, being utilized as a distraction so that we can bring three more people into the crew. Um, 
get to learn about the the lovely three folks that have joined. Um, I remember one of them was a soldier. Uh, definitely going to see more of him later, I'm sure. One of them was a builder who I instantly just really started to like and hope he doesn't die. And I have no memory whatsoever of the uh, the one who was introduced in between them. Um, the housewife. Yeah. Well, okay. Come on. I, in my in my defense, they spent like eight seconds on her, and hopefully we'll get more later. But it's uh, very interesting. I, I really like that we're picking up the pace a little bit. I'm able to see a little bit more of the um, the thought process being utilized in both Galatin <laughs> and Rayadin. And... Um, I'm, I like where this is going thus far and look forward very much to seeing uh, what they're going to be doing in the next chapter. Off to Serene, who... Okay, this is what I was going to say before we started recording, and Mike wouldn't let me. Um, in the audiobook, it out of me that he was calling her Serene, and I know that's the way that it's probably actually pronounced, but I just... I, I, I can't. I cannot call her Serene. Yeah, you if, don't have to. Don't do okay. it. Okay. Yeah, no. it's... I feel I feel like that would be disrespectful to <laughs> my ancestors. Um, it would just, it was oh god that just bothered the crap out of me, and that was a long chapter too. So I got to hear that a lot. Uh, but again, uh, she is my favorite character again. She is showing how uh, remarkably well versed she is in the um, the art of well, let's say. Uh, politics and the aristocracy and just in she, how smart she is in general um, and how she's able to maneuver through the different personalities of all of the uh, various lords brought into the, oh, I should probably talk about that whole part, um, how she's brought in by her uncle to meet all of the, I guess, the secret society almost that Raiden had put together pre-book and she is more or less stepping in to take over um, at one point realizing, Oh wait, I am technically married to the dead guy. And so I can use this. So uh, very much enjoyed that chapter and all that came from it. And I mean, that's, it's hard to go in depth on it. It was just, it was a whole chapter on her speaking um, to, I think it was, Oh, how many was it? Um, Five people, seven people. I feel like it was an odd number, but uh, we get to learn a lot about the other lords, their backgrounds, and how they typically run their, I guess, areas, organizations. I don't, I don't know how exactly what we would call that yet, but uh, the farmers, the soldiers, and so on. Um, but while I mean, while I can't go in depth on all of that, just because I mean, it, there there was a ton. Uh, I overall absolutely loved that chapter and she uh, she very much edged out Raiden again to to get back up there to favor character. Uh, then all the way off to the land of the um, antagonist and I'm Prathen. trying to flip Prathen. thank you yeah Prathen and his uh, his little golem sidekick. Um, D-Law. <laughs> okay. 
for the record, if they, okay. I like it. It was. Thank you. If they ever make this movie, um, Andy Serkis very clearly having to play that character. I mean, right, right. I will accept nothing else. He's uh, sitting there in the yeah. corner, like we hate Sam. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we, <laughs> that was how I took it. That's what I read into the chapter. Um, I just, I, could, I saw Andy Serkis as as I was going through that. And it was fantastic, especially after just watching uh, Black Panther, where I have to say, Andy Serkis, excellent South African accent. He really did a great job. Um, He can, in fact, play not CGI characters. So I very much enjoyed that. But it was, again, not the longest chapter ever, uh, but it was... It was intriguing, I suppose. I actually enjoyed this chapter about uh, Raythan more than I have any of his chapters prior. Um, It seemed to go into his thought process a little bit more, a little bit more into his background as well. Um, I thought it was very interesting how he reacted while uh, he was, I guess, ministering to the crowd when okay i'm just gonna call him golem from now on by the way um when he jumped in and started his hate rhetoric and about elantris and how the crowd seemed to flock to it how at first he was put off but then he is was smart enough to realize that this was actually against all of his formal training working and decided to utilize that to his advantage, uh, which definitely speaks toward the, uh, the militaristic and organizational mind that this religion kind of seems to have. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, I have to, I, I enjoyed the crap out of this or these three chapters uh, in comparison, especially to the last last week uh where which was 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 good but it wasn't it just felt more like just basic exposition instead of actually information to draw me into these characters which i got a lot more of this time around okay. thus endeth the monologue all right so serene is still your favorite character uh technically she's my favorite character anew um it went to if memory serves it went to a wraith in there for a while not Raven. Um, Raven. There's okay. too many similar names in this. Uh, it was Raven at last. Uh, he had edged her out, uh, but we are back to her. Okay. Um. So, uh, what's the, what's the thing? What What do you think is going to happen based on the new information you've gotten in? Um. I chapters? main. I very much maintain that Raven is going to build up a army of sorts um i'm starting to think that at least one of his i guess adversaries the the leaders of the other gangs um they're going to come to let's see um they're going to come to blows i'm guessing it's to the um i forget his name but the gentleman who is crazy and well may or may not be crazy and changed his name when they uh when he got thrown into Elantris, um, I think it started with an A. Thank you. Uh, so we've got Aiden and Rayadin. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, how did I not? 
I'm sorry, Tori. A Anden. Yeah, no. Okay. No, he's, yeah, he's the crazy guy for sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can get my mouth around that, but it's, uh, that's what I think they're going to do. I think that we're going to come to blows between those two. I think there's going to be an alliance of sorts between one of the other two, uh, if not both. Um, and then hijinks will ensue and um, we will get out of Elantris at some point, um, be it all cured or not. Uh, I don't know, obviously, but that's where I think that is going. Oh, man, um, I'm looking forward to those hijinks ensue. Oh, well, one must always have hijinks. Sure. Um, yeah, for sure. And uh, or shenanigans, if you will. But I think that um, that Serene is going to continue consolidating alliances amongst the other lords, uh, hopefully branching out further than the ones we have presently. I think that will probably happen. Um, I'm starting to think that Raiden is going to be the one who causes the demise and or exile of the king, um, opening up a power vacuum that the uh, that Raiden and Serene, perhaps eventually fighting together, go on to fill. So that's the thing I'm thinking, I mean, maybe? I, I'm impressed at the length of your predictions this time, because <laughs> last time we did this, you're like, I got nothing to go on. At least this time you yeah. have something even if you know right. you might be right you might be wrong who knows but i appreciate the amount of detail well i'm i'm trying it's um i haven't i was able to put a bit obviously because of the the break in between recording i was able to put a bit more time and thought into this than i have previously and i have to say after we record this i'm probably going to go on to that aforementioned website I'm apparently not allowed to mention anymore um, and continue and re-listen to chapters uh, one through where are we going to next? Um, we'll be up to 15 but, next week. Okay, so um, one through 15 to see if maybe some things I missed last time around uh, stick a little bit better so that hopefully next time we record I can, I can really uh, take this to task, but I'm I do apologize for the last time. I uh, I just I really didn't have much to to throw in there, but it's all starting to come together a little bit. I think. All right. Uh, any anything else for Seth before we kick him off? Do we have any questions we want to ask him? I mean, any questions I can think of are going to be leading and have something to do with spoilers. So I'm out. Yeah, I would very much prefer no spoilers. I I very much like the game of me guessing. I have no questions. Craig, any questions for the uh, for the witness? I'm ready to give you the boot. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right, Seth. Get the well, heck out of here. Uh, pleasure as always. Thank you. All right. So spoiler time begins now. And this is spoilers for everything written by Brandon Sanderson. Right. Uh, okay. So uh, one thing that Seth didn't mention that... I feel like should have stood out to him and he just may not have noticed was Hraithen using a forbidden Sion, a secret forbidden Sion. 
Yes, that would have been my leading question for Seth if I had asked any leading questions. Right. Like, I really wanted him to talk about it, but I also didn't want to, I don't know. Point it out. Point it out, yeah. Um, And if I recall, I don't think it pops up that often. I mean, it's mentioned because, yeah, it's super secret that he should even have that. Um, But I don't don't remember him talking to it that much i know it comes up again definitely it, it comes up a couple of times um but yeah like the fact that he has one and that Wern also has one despite the fact that they are forbidden and um i can't words i'm out of words heretical yes that's a good word okay um okay so the aeon as the chapter heading for these was eni uh, which translates to wit and cleverness. Profane, wit. that's a good word. Yes. Thank you, Blue Fox. Um, so yeah, these chapters are clever. Um, I guess the, the biggest thing I got from these chapters as far as like wider Cosmere stuff is that I keep seeing like pieces of what gets used later in other books. Um, like Serene... Um, making plans to start going to balls with people that that obviously gets called back in uh, the the first Mistborn trilogy with specifically the first Mistborn book. Um, right, right. With Vin going to the balls and that being like basically half of her stuff for the first book. Um, there's the the various nobles, yeah, going to balls with people. Uh, there are the various nobles that seem remarkably similar to a lot of the high princes from, uh, from Stormlight, both in name a little bit and then just basic personality. They, they tend to show up again. That makes sense. So, so different story, uh, the the way he writes certain characters and story elements. Right. There, um, there's definitely elements of it in Elantris itself, which is probably a good thing that we're starting with Elantris, aside from all of the reasons we've given before, but just the fact that you could see these elements and then later on yeah, develop like he, them a little more. I I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe, maybe his thought process was like, okay, I'm getting published for this one book. Let's make sure everything I want to do is in this one, just in case I don't get any more. Maybe, or it could just be, hey, you know what I like to write? Ballroom scenes. Let's do some of those. I mean, that's possible, but then I would have expected that to, you know, show up in other books. Unless, I don't know, he got he got his whole ballroom scene fix on in Mistborn, and now he's done with it. Well, no, because he's also got, like... Um... Oh, they're they're not balls, but the fancy dinners in the Stormlight Archive that you know it, it describes the you know the the king's table and then the women's table and the men's table and how they all have their separate foods and how everyone's fashionably dressed and you know it it's very much a, a party scene. Like I, I I just enjoy the visual that that provokes and and you get a lot of that in um in in warbreaker as well when they're describing uh in the the palace with the the rooms are all different colors and how all the furniture is different colors and 
just this very rich uh, textural. Um, I, I don't know. I, I enjoy imagining scenes like that. And I suppose maybe Sanderson enjoys writing them. Maybe. Part of what Seth was bringing up of like why these chapters seem to flow better for him, I feel like is because the previous chapters were, were basically set up, you know, introducing characters, introducing concepts, introducing all of these things. And then with, with this set of chapters, we finally start doing. So does that, does that track, does that follow? Oh yeah, I would agree. Definitely. Okay. And then, so his, uh, his prediction that Aenden, that name is awful. You gotta say it faster though. It's Aenden. No, I don't have to do anything. (laughs) You're not my mom. I mean, I would just say Anden. Like, I don't even try. That's just what I do, because I pronounce everything wrong. Sorry, Tori. Hate is gonna hate. Um, anyway, so his whole prediction with Anden was completely wrong. Like, yeah. Like, as wrong as could be. And I think we actually get the resolution on that in, like, the, in like Raven's next chapter. Yes, we do. Okay. But it is nice, though, that he's wrong right now, because then... It might give him a clue as to sort of the way people work, the fact that they have to have essentially a goal, um, something like that. Like, hopefully he'll see glimmers of that. I know the book sort of just points it out eventually later on, but I I think it's a start. Um, But he was right about a couple of things as well, because he he is they're eventually going to team up with one of the other gang leaders. Yeah, that's the next chapter. And then, oh, is it? Wow, that's all of it. Yeah, the resolution for uh, Aenden is the one after that. Nice. So things are going to actually hope, uh, happen really fast, which is also good for us because we're going to have more to talk about next week. Um, oh, so another very, very big thing that happened in these three chapters is we get our first mention of the chasm uh, during the Serene Bits, I believe. Uh, right, because Baron Edain has his lands on the chasm. Right. Like, it's it's not given any sort of emphasis at all, but bah! It's, it's such a big thing, and this is the first mention of it. And Seth didn't mention it at all. I don't think he noticed. Well, right. Well, he did mention that there were a lot of people in that scene. There... Uh, looking at my notes, there are five of these various nobles, uh, plus Uncle Kayine. So that's six people to keep track of with their different descriptions and personalities. And, um, so they do all kind of run together the first time. So when, when the chasm is mentioned, did they actually mention when it developed? No. Okay. So I think you don't really put two and two together unless you hear that this is, like, ten years old type thing. Right, and, like, I wasn't at all expecting Seth to even pick up on on anything of that yet. Um, I think I completely ignored it the first time I was reading through, until, you know, later on. Right. Like, when it, when it actually becomes important to pay attention to it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's on the map, oh. 
So yeah, aside from a few very important things happening in these chapters, I'm kind of out of things that have like direct direct significance on the chapters. I didn't do any quotes because, well, I read these like three weeks ago. Um, anyone, you get any of you have any quotes? I'm not very big on quotes. Okay. Sorry, I I don't. I didn't. Due to the length of time since we've we've read it, I don't I don't have anything to point out specifically for quotes. I mean, I do take notes as I read, so I have one page of notes for each chapter. And well, would you like to talk about some of your notes? Uh, I mean, I I really just summarize as I read. So every time I turn the page, I do a one sentence summary of the page so that I can remember it for when we talk about it later. And um, not really anything significant in there. I'm looking. It's just a summary. It helps me keep all of the various nobles straight. So uh, there's that. Eh, There's only a couple of them that actually matter. There's only five that are listed. And then only a couple of those actually matter. Like, I remember Shudin because he's cool. He didn't actually do all that much that was useful, but he's a super cool dude. He is pretty cool. Uh, Eondel has his legion and is basically the only military force in the country. Uh, Royale. I'm sure I'm butchering that one. Royale. Sure it is. Uh, he's, He's the rich one. You know, you know, the rich one, the rich one. Right. He's the rich one. And, and then, then there's Ahane, who is the fat one and is Roile's frenemy mm-hmm. and betrays and, them later. Spoiler. And Idan, who's the poor one, the poor yeah. rich one. Yes. And yeah, Kayan's uh, stepson, I think, is like richer than all of them, but Royale. And something like that. So, and then Craig is having a nice conversation in the chat. Sorry, y'all. No, that's good interaction. Uh, so, do we want to talk about what's what's going on in the chat? Um, I mean, if anything, if anything stands out that you want to discuss, then I say feel free. But I think we're just talking about the appearance of Hoyd because he's Hoyd. Our fans eagerly await the moment that Hoyt pops up. Okay. Um, I actually do want no, to... No, I was kidding. <laughs> well, no, I, not Hoyt. Uh, the, the thing that Blue Fox just typed, which is... But the Riyadh happened when Ray showed up and killed Aona. Untrue. Ah, that's uh, not correct. So, yeah, there's there's a timeline thing. And I know I originally thought the same thing. Like, I, right. I, I had known going into Elantris that the gods or, well, the shards that were present were shattered by Odium. So I'm like, I went into it expecting that that was the reason the Riyadh happened, but then later on when I found out it was just a chasm, which was due to a natural disaster, and that that, that shattering event was much, much older. Yep, thousands right, of years Right, because beforehand. the Sion does. Yeah, the, the Sions and the Skays are both um, splinters of um, devotion and dominion, and they have been around for basically all of human history on cell. So the the shattering 
happened way beforehand. And yeah, the, the chasm just happened. It, it was just a thing that happened. It doesn't have a strict cause. At least as far as we know. Yeah. Sometimes things just happen. There could have been but something the point is that it really that happened that we didn't like find out about, or that we haven't found out about yet. Uh, actually, race could not have done it. He's he's literally the only person who couldn't. Wait, why couldn't he? Because he's at that point still trapped in the Roshar system. Okay, fair enough. He has an alibi, is what you're saying, right? And yes, right. That and is... He... Elantris is. Happens roughly around, I mean, universally speaking, it's roughly around the same time period as everything else that we've been reading. Except maybe Mistborn Series 2. Right. But yeah, it's, I guess it's important in the, the fact that the chasm completely screwed up the, for lack of a better word, spell that was creating the... Showed? Wait, no, showed is what they're going through now. The full transformation. The showed. Showed. No, that's probably not what's happening either, Blue Fox. Uh, best like guess he... for, for who is attacking Harmony during uh, Mistborn Era 2 is currently, and this is just a guess, but it's a it's an educated guess, and it's pretty much community-wide, is... Uh, Autonomy. Who is the shard of White Sands right. and other planets. As far From what we can tell, she's been in multiple... She has multiple planets. And if... Uh, she's mentioned in the letter as like her holder name, which is Babadin. Um, if you have a link to a quote on that, then I would love to see it. But as is, like we know Autonomy is doing some stuff. Um, you, you can get that from Oathbringer. Like, she's explicitly mentioned in the, one of the letters in, what, Section 2? And... I think that's when the letters are. Wherever the letters are in Oathbringer, right. they sort of mention Autonomy's not doing her own thing. She is very much involved with the Cosmere in general. Despite her name, she's mm. up to something. And in uh, the... Uh... Arcanum Unbounded, in the White Sand section, the the bit that like prefaces and tells you about the world and all of that. Um, Chris talks about autonomy and how like it's super duper hard to get to um, Taldane, but it's but despite that, autonomy is like out and screwing with things. Yep, on a pretty massive scale. So best guess is that she's trying to somehow attack Harmony because right. she sees him as a threat, I, I would assume. And of course, she has, uh, from what we know, I don't think this has been ever explicitly stated in any of the books, but uh, I believe this is word of Brandon, in that Autonomy helped work with Odium in the shattering of Devotion and, and uh, Dominion just because she doesn't like that they shared a planet together. Is is what ap- appears to be the case. I think that's from the letter. I think that's what it is mentioned in the letter. Once we, but we have to sort of deduce that it was her that wrote it. That's I think the issue. 
or is it mentioned? Oh, see, I need to I need to pull up the letter. Is the issue? I remember reviewing that in the book when I first got to it on the Copper Mine. I'm like, that is a lot of information in a very small section. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also an implication that um, the island from um, Sixth of the Dusk is either its own discrete shard or is a splinter of autonomy. Not a splinter. A what's the other one? The other word that is. The I don't know the ambition. Is that who you mean? No, I still mean autonomy. I mean a word besides splinter. There's avatar. Yes, but there's a. There's I don't like know what you're looking for. I know she has avatars. Word. Anyway, yeah. Singularity. No. All right, I can't words. I've just. Ugh, I'm done. Um. So speaking of being done. I actually am kind of feeling somewhat uh, done. Do we have anything else we want to go over? Well, real quick, I posted a link in my chat to the letters. If you look at the very first Oathbringer letters, and I quote, You think yourself so clever, but my eyes are not those of some petty noble to be clouded by false nose and some dirt on the cheeks. You mustn't worry about yourself about race, who is ODM. It is a pity about Iona and Ska, who were devotion and dominion. But they were foolish, violating our pact from the very beginning. So it's suspected that this first letter was written by autonomy, and she feels the pact was violated in some way. Which is, oh, it's a shame they were foolish and stuff happened to them. Oh, well. Like, that whole attitude. Except that, like, most of the planets we've seen have multiple shards on them. Or had, I guess. Well, we had Devotion and Dominion, Honor and Cultivation, Mm -hmm. and Preservation and Ruin. So, of the ten, six of them share the world, which is less than half. And and now Odium is sort of stuck on on the same system as as Cultivation and Honor. And I'm sure he's loving that. Yeah. But, yeah, not not necessarily... He actually wants to, you know, shatter all the shards. Right. Um, Yeah. Um, Odium explicitly wants to be the only shard. Uh, he, uh, according to Word of Brandon, and I don't have a link for this or anything, I just remember it. Um, according to Word of Brandon, uh, Odium had the opportunity to absorb um, devotion and dominion into himself and change with them, and decided not to decided that um, shattering them was the way to go so that nobody could take their power and it could just be him and his personality wouldn't change. Yeah, he, he does not want to go through a change of intent. So, But it sort of makes me wonder what his end goal is. Once he is the last shard, and, and plus the fact that it looks like Autonomy's sort of working with him, um, Either A, is he just shattering those shards that are together and therefore a threat? Or is it B, he will ultimately want to shatter everyone, including Autonomy, so he's the last one standing? Well, if he were just going after shards that are together, um, then that wouldn't explain ambition. Right, and that was actually the first one he shattered. But that's also because ambition was the most dangerous to him. So yeah, I guess he's out for everyone. I mean, with a name like Ambition, that seems like it would be the first one. Like, that's the most threatening sounding one, right? 
I don't know. Hatred seems pretty strong. And even Ruin sounded fairly devastating. Yeah, but, but Ruin and Preservation were, because they were together, they were locked against each other. Sure. So I guess it seemed like less of a threat because Preservation was keeping Ruin in check. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure if we can necessarily just go by their names. Because as we've learned from reading the other books, the intent is so much more than just what the actual you know term they use is. That, that's just an idea, but the intent is so much deeper. And, and Odium sort of mentions it, unless he's lying about what his actual intent, like what he actually is. It's not just hatred. It's like raw emotion and strong emotion. Passion is is how he described it in Oath. Passion, yeah. Um, yeah, like preservation uh, was pretty good at predicting the future and putting plans into motion, uh, which ultimately led to the end of ruin, which is a very anti-preservationy thing to do, but it worked. That was that was the whole end of my sentence. Okay. Sentence ended. Sorry, I'm typing in the the chat as well. If there are interesting things in the chat, you should maybe read them out loud because not everyone's in the chat and the chat won't be around when the podcast airs. Oh, we, we have. Anything that's directly relevant, uh, I'll make sure we read out the line. That's crazy talk, Tori. Right now we're basically talking about how race could shatter a shard. Is it indirectly? Because... There was information given to us before in Mistborn that preservation and ruin could not shatter each other. They're direct opposites. So they couldn't even... I mean, preservation is not within his intent to even shatter. Ruin could, but preservation's sort of a an opposite holding him back type thing, at least until he got his full power and he was a threat. Um, but I don't think there's anything that says a, sh- a shard cannot shatter another shard. It just happened to be that preservation and ruin, the only examples of shards really working to against each other. Like, that's the only example we have. We ha- we know Odium's there, but cultiva- uh, sorry, cultivation is, like, nowhere to be found. Like, she's not revealing herself, obviously. And honor has already been shattered. So we don't have much to go on when it comes to shards interacting with each other. Um, So we don't know if shards can shatter other shards in general. We know Odium did something to shatter ambition and devotion and dominion. She's shown... Oh, sorry. That, see, that's... He, he's mentioned cultivation has shown up. She's... She popped up in Oathbringer, yes, but I should say we haven't seen any interaction between her and Odium, despite them being in relative proximity being in the same system. Whereas we have seen Preservation and Ruin interact to a certain degree. Although even that was light because Preservation was essentially dying. I suspect that we're not going to get the full story on this until we get to Dragonsteel. Right, she's not, she's not just going to go up against it. That's fine. My whole point is we just don't know the interactions between shards and what they can actually do. So, so Tiru mentions that Odium and someone else shattered honor, which is why we suspect that Odium's actually working with autonomy. Because, again, they did not like that the pack was violated. And for autonomy, that's definitely a threat. 
the main like evidence two... we have of of odium and autonomy working together is the first letter from the way of kings um so hoyd believes it we have no reason to believe that hoyd is wrong about literally anything at this point dude is a fount of knowledge if he would ever actually talk about useful stuff dude i want hoyd and Cezad to have a chat yes and i want to see it i want to read that that's going to be so cosmere heavy because so something in general like uh stories in general not necessarily brandon sanderson but one of the the story writing techniques is to have some kind of essentially a reader avatar a character who doesn't really know anything especially if it's a heavy sci-fi or fantasy world so you need someone to sort of play dumb for the reader so you can explain certain things in the cosmere instance say zed could almost play that part like he he might know about his shards that he holds but he doesn't necessarily know what's happening in the cosmere in general so i'm hoping we get that information but i'm not sure if it's going to be a short story or much later on who knows all right Final thoughts. Tori. Um, well, that's some very interesting stuff about Sazed and the Shards right there. Um, <laughs> that, that's my final thought. Craig, final thought. Uh, I felt Seth is not too far off the mark. Um, I think he'll look forward to where things are going. So... Uh, I, I think we're going to get some more interesting things. Also, we are at, like, essentially the one-sixth mark of the book right now. So it'll be picking up soon. Yeah, the next set of chapters, because uh, I've been reading ahead, are very interesting ones. And I am I am excited for our next uh, recording session. All right, uh, let me cut in with something from the chat here. Blue Fox Icy says, actually, you know, nobody knows if Hoyd has a bead of Laracium. Sanderson actually won't say. And to that, I respond, yes, Sanderson has said. We've actually seen Hoyd in a flashback from Words of Radiance pouring metal into his own drink to drink it. Uh, I'm guessing it was um, emotional alamancy is, is what he's been using primarily, although... Burning pewter and tin isn't out of the question either. Yeah, it looks like he's he's definitely burning something. It seemed pretty clear to me that he picked it up at during the um, Mistborn secret history. Like, yeah. What, what else was that scene for, if not like, for that? If I recall, that there was one bead that was mentioned aside from the one that Ellen takes. Like they sort of pointed it out. And then, of course, you get that in Secret History, what happens to that last bead that existed. And, right. yeah, Hoyd took it. And he's he. it appears he's been doing allomancy, as Mike mentioned, emotional allomancy to the characters. When you see Wit interact um, with them. Um, yeah, emotional allomancy makes his whole everything he does so much easier, especially away from Roshar or not Roshar, especially away from Scadrill where like no one actually expects it. Like on Why Skadriel, can't I remember the girl. Shalon? Shall yeah. Cause I kept thinking Serene cause we're, we're talking Elantris. <laughs> so I couldn't remember her name. I just knew it began with an S. I have to remember it's sort of, um, you know, same forwards and backwards, but not quite slightly off because that's more respectful. But yeah, so Wit interacts with Shallon, and it appears that he's doing a, a emotional alamancy. Yeah, 
at for for a second she thought he was like poisoning someone and then he drank it himself. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Which was a pretty good scene, but it's yeah. With, he with has... context and and like proper knowledge, it's obvious that he's using emotional allomancy as much as he wants. It's probably how he became wit. Like we know, I'm. I think we're sure he has some breaths, although I don't think he did right, anything to reveal he, that. No, he just talks about uh, like there's this, a bit where he's tuning his uh, loot or whatever, and and he re- remarks that it's so much easier now that he has perfect pitch. Mm-hmm. That that was in Words of Radiance somewhere. Uh, in one of the letters, it's mentioned that he is functionally immortal, which that is fifth heightening, two thousand breaths. Oh, it could be that way. Which also comes with perfect pitch and perfect color and all all of the other stuff that leads up to it. But going back to Elantris now, so do do we ever see him <laughs> doing uh, Aeon Door? Like... I don't think he can. No, um, he uh, apparently, I got this from probably a Reddit post that got this from another Reddit post that got it from a word of Brandon, maybe, uh, is that what Hoyd was doing on um, on Cell was trying to become an Elantrian, and then he just couldn't. So, presumably, if he had, he would have also fixed Elantris. Like, that would have been his first order of business, is, well, right, I've got this power now, it. I don't want to be a zombie. Um, yeah. I guess I'll draw a line in the dirt and let people know how to fix this thing. But we do know he has a sprint. He has... Uh, Elokar's sprint right. at the very end of Oathbringer. And he also had some light weaving before that, or like some sort of illusion magic. Which might not necessarily be from Roshar, because there, there's other investitures that we just don't know about yet. Right. Oh, I'm saying it almost certainly wasn't from Roshar, because then it would he would have already had to have a sprint. That's oh, okay. Only, that's the only way we know on Roshar to get those sorts of powers. And that's something else we can notice, too. If we ever see a character actually doing something different, like they're doing some kind of investiture, and we might have a character who knows the investiture of their planet point out it's sort of like this, but different. It's the same sort of thing where they would stand out as a world hopper because they look slightly like from a certain region, but different. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the same thing happens with investiture, if I recall, but it's been a while and since that I read may come, it, come up more often later once we get more like magic systems involved in things. Yeah. We still have a while to go before Atlantis really gets into the magic system. I know Raiden's like drawing in the air, but he, I think he starts really studying it in the last half of the book. Yeah. Well, he gets it to start doing things in the last half of the book. Right. Right. Okay. So my final thought is that I will bet any amount of money that Seth will not see Rayudin pretending to be a Duladel noble and escaping the city and going and visiting his friends. <laughs> I don't think any of us saw oh. that coming. Oh, God. Oh, my cat just used the litter box. It's terrible. Is he meowing? No. No, this, is, this isn't this is a sound terrible. This is a smell just terrible. Just power through. We're almost done, man. Oh, my God. Ah! You need to leave this in. Don't edit this part out. I'm I am leaving this in. This is gold. Um but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh so a little bit of housekeeping. We have a Facebook com- or Facebook group 
uh, search for the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. We have a Twitter account, which is at CosmereCast. Um, follow one or the other. You don't have to bother with both. It's the same stuff in both places. Um, and that's it. All right. Bye. Bye. Have a good one. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.